I told Tim this morning I need to, uh, that I have officially forgiven him for making me sing in the garden so many times recently because he mashed up my two favorite hymns, Come Thou Fount and Love Divine, All Love's Excelling into One Piece. So you are forgiven for the moment until you make me sing in the garden again. And then we back at loggerheads. So. Our scripture reading this morning is going to come from the book of Lamentations. We're going to be in Lamentations chapter 3, verses 21 through 25. Lamentations 3, 21 through 25. But this I call to mind, and therefore I have hope. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercy never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, says my soul. Therefore I will hope in him. The Lord is good to those who wait for him, to the soul that seeks him. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. We don't like pain in our life, do we? None of us want to hurt. None of us in our lives ever want to go through something painful. I know that I don't. I'm a wimp. I don't like things that hurt. I think about uh, something my friend said one time about lifting weights. Because, you know, lifting weights is the kind of thing you tear the muscle down to rebuild it. I had a friend of mine who played baseball and, in college, and he said one time, said, Andy, I would love to lift weights if they weren't so heavy. It's kind of how I feel about it. I don't like to hurt. I don't like for things to be painful. None of us like to think or talk about death, do we? It's not a subject we like to dwell upon or to think about or to live through. We don't like it. It's not easy, and it's not fun. We, we don't like sickness, do we? Sickness is not a pleasant experience. Sickness is not a fun thing to go through. If you have gone through some type of sickness yourself, you know how hard it is. If you have had a loved one go through some sickness, you know how hard it is. I've said before, one of the best things for me as a pastor to have gone through was a couple years back when I had kidney cancer. Because for the first time in my life, I had to live through the hospital experience on the patient side, not as the pastor side. And in that process, you learn pretty quickly, you don't really want a lot of company. <laughs> you, won't, you don't really want to have to entertain when you're sick. We don't like sickness. Sickness is not fun. We don't like conflict. Conflict is not fun. Very few of us in our life like conflict. I don't. In fact, one of the things that I've learned and that I've taken into my job as a pastor when I do premarital counseling with couples is I talk about how we've not always taught couples how to fight fair. And so when they get married and they kind of have their first conflict as a married couple, it can be really hard, can it? 
because we don't like conflict. We don't talk about conflict. We don't want to go through conflict. None of us like conflict. We don't like these things. We don't like sickness. We don't like pain. We don't like death. We don't like conflict. And who can blame us? These are not pleasant experiences for anyone to go through. It's not fun. So what happens is we push these things to the side. Now, we die in private, don't we? We no longer die at home. Surrounded by loved ones. But we die in sterile hospital environments. We push our tears to the side where no one sees them. We do not cry in public. We do not die in public. We do not do conflict well in public. We don't like to be sick in public. We push these matters of pain off to the side to be done in private where no one sees and no one feels uncomfortable and no one has to deal with it. Now, it wasn't always like that, was it, friends? I mean, William Faulkner wrote a book called As I Lay Dying about a woman watching her own casket be built for her. Some of you may remember, some of you may have done it, or remember your parents or grandparents doing it, sitting up with the dead. That's something we did. I have seen this shift as a pastor. I remember when I first started preaching my small country churches. It was not at all uncommon for me when someone in the community died, no matter what time or day or night it was, I'd get a phone call, and I would go and sit with the family. And there were sometimes I would sit to the family till two or three in the morning. I would just sit with them as the coroner came, as the coroner did their job, as the funeral home came and got the body and took the body away. We would just sit there. We would drink coffee. We would visit. We would cry. We would be together. Grief has not always been a private experience. Pain has not always been a private experience. Hurt and sickness have not always been private experiences. But in this world we live in now, we've taken these things that are painful and we do them off to the side, away from eyes, in our privacy. And there's something good about that. I don't want to cry in public either. As I said, it was good for me to be sick and realize I didn't want a lot of company. That's our experience. But that wasn't always the case. In years past, the community rallied around the grief-stricken and the sick and the hurting. We read from a book today in the Scriptures called Lamentations. Lamentations was written by a man by the name of Jeremiah. Jeremiah has a nickname we all want to have. He was called the Weeping Prophet. When you read Jeremiah, you know what you see? A lot of pain. A lot of pain. Jeremiah was the prophet. That was the prophet when Israel was defeated by Babylon. If you would have asked an Israelite 
in Jeremiah's day, how did they know they were God's people? How did the Jews in that moment know they were God's people? They could give you three distinct answers to prove to you they were God's people. The first thing they could point to was the temple. We know we are God's people because of Mount Zion, because of the temple. You look up to the temple. You look up as Psalm 121 says, I look up to the hills from whence does my help come. We look to the temple, and in the temple was the Holy of Holies. And the Jewish people believed that in the Holy of Holies, the glory of God resided. As Christians, think about saying that's what the Holy Spirit was. The Jews knew they were God's people because they had the temple. And the temple was where the glory of God resided. The Jews knew they were God's people because they had the land. What do we see in the books of Moses? If you keep the covenant, you are my people and you have the land. So if they wanted to know that they were God's people, all they had to do was look at the land that they were in and say, we are God's people. We have the temple. We have the land. And they had one more thing. When God made a covenant with Abraham, he gave the covenant a symbol of circumcision. How do we know we're God's people? We've got the temple, we've got the land, and we've got circumcision. Babylon came into town. You know what Babylon did? They tore down the temple. They tore down the temple brick by brick. They destroyed the wall. They destroyed everything. What else did they do? They took the Jews from the land into exile, far away from the land. And what did they do to them when they got them to Babylon? They forbid circumcision. They were no longer allowed to circumcise their male children. So what were the three things the Jewish people had to show they were God's people? Land, temple, circumcision. What did the Babylonians take away from them? Land, temple, circumcision. Everything they had that proved to them, that showed to them and showed to the world that they were God's people has been taken from them. Jeremiah is known as the weeping prophet because what we see from Jeremiah, both in his prophecy and in the book of Lamentations, is grief is weeping, is lament. You know where grief and pain are not private? God's Word. God's Word has an entire book called Lamentations, an entire book that is there to give voice to our hurt into our pain in the midst of our tremendous loss. Don't know if you ever read the book of Job, but I would not suggest it. It's not exactly a rollicking good time. But when you read Job, he lost everything. Lost everything. And ultimately, what happens is his three best friends show up And for seven days, 
They sat with him in the ashes. They sat in silence with him in the ashes. And then on day eight, they started talking, and it all kind of went downhill from there. But for seven days, they sat with their friend in his pain. They sat with their friend in his loss. They gave their friend Job the chance to lament and to give voice to what he had lost, to give voice to what he had experienced, to give voice to his pain and to lament what he no longer had. We've been through a hard season, haven't we, friends? We've been through a hard season. First is this little thing called COVID. Don't know if y'all are aware of this. People were of divided minds on COVID. Did you know that? Believe it or not, I would sometimes get emails from individuals about COVID. Just one or two, not many. We lived through COVID, didn't we? That was hard. And we've lived through this discernment season. And that was hard. It was and remains an incredibly hard season. We have grief that we feel now. We have pain that we feel. We have hurt that we feel. And our instinct is to run through it. It's the great theologian Dory said, just keep swimming. Our instinct is to not stop for a moment and to acknowledge our pain. To not give lament to the hurt that we feel. And friends, if we do that, that's not healthy. We have to give pause. We have to sit with it for a minute. We have to even feel it for a moment. Because if we don't do that, we can't fully heal from it. When Holly and I first got married, my default move is to be passive-aggressive when I'm tired. That's what I, I, I Passive-aggressive is my default language. I'm good at it. And so when we first got married, when I was tired or we were struggling or whatever, I would get passive-aggressive with her. And as you can fully expect, that would hurt her feelings. And then we'd have some conflict. And what would happen a week later, we'd be mad at each other. And wouldn't, we wouldn't even know why we were mad at each other. Just because it happened a week ago, we'd already forgotten about it. But we hadn't taken the time to heal it, to stop, and to heal the pain we felt in that moment. So as we've been married longer, I think I've gotten better at in the moment when I do something stupid like that, just saying, hey, sorry about that. Don't know where that came from. Didn't mean to say that. And allowing healing to take place. We've got to, as a church in this moment, stop and admit our hurt and our pain and our grief. There are friends that we love. 
who are no longer with us. And that grieves us. And we pray for them. We pray God's blessing upon them. Whether that blessing be in an existing congregation or in a new congregation, we pray for them. And we pray that Christ is lifted up in all places. Because when Christ is lifted up, his word says that he will draw all persons to himself. So my deepest and most sincere prayer this morning is that across Madison and across the metro and across Jackson and across our world, that Jesus Christ be lifted up in every church and that Christ be proclaimed in every church and that every church grow, and that every church makes disciples, and that every church makes converts. We pray for those who are not here with us now who our hearts break over. We pray for restoration of relationships. We pray for shared ministry and worship and things moving forward. That is our long-term hope. That is our prayer. But we have to stop for a moment for our own good and for our own health and for our own souls and lament. And lament what we've been through. But here's why I love Lamentations. Because this entire book of weeping, right in the middle of it, we see what we just read this morning. But I call to mind, and therefore I have hope, the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, says my soul, and therefore I have hope in him. The Lord is good to those who wait for him, for the soul who seeks him. In the midst of our lament, in the midst of our pain, in the midst of our loss, there is hope. Great is thy faithfulness, O God, my Father. Yes, we have had lament, and yes, we have had hurt, and yes, we have had loss, but God is not done here yet. God is at work. In Romans 28, Romans 8, 28 is still the word of God. All things will work for good. God is making something beautiful here, and God will continue to make something beautiful here. God is not done. God is at work. And God will restore. For yes, we lament, but we are a people of resurrection. We are a people of hope. We are a people who stand upon the word of God and the faith and the hope of resurrection from death. That God brings life. The very sign and symbol of our faith was a means of execution for the Romans. That God transformed to a sign of hope and peace. God is good, God is at work, and God will restore. And great is thy faithfulness, O God, my Father.
All I have needed, thy hand hath provided. Great is thy faithfulness. God is at work. God is good. God restores. God redeems. And yes, we can lament, but we have hope because we have God. He is at work, friends. He is at work. And here's the thing. That means we need you. Because he doesn't just want to use a passive people. But he wants to use people like me and you to build his kingdom. You know, I've had a, a good run of ministry. I'm not going to lie to you about it. My friend Vicki White here with us this morning. Vicki was a DS who appointed me to St. Matthew's. So you might want to put earmuffs over your ears right now, Vicki. I don't know if this is being falsely humble or arrogant or whatever it is. Outside of the administrative stuff that I'd never want to be, like the DS or bishop or something like that, I've accomplished everything you can accomplish in the Mississippi Annual Conference. I have. Chair committees. Every Every church I've served has grown. Up until about five years ago, my church has had very level, very low levels of conflict. I've done, in the scope of our conference, pretty much everything you could do. You know what I don't want to do moving forward? I don't want to build an institution. I've spent five years through COVID and through discernment trying to maintain an institution. I don't want to build an institution. I don't want to grow a membership. I don't want to meet a budget. I want to build community. I want to build something beautiful in this place. And we need your help in that. We don't don't need your help. I mean, yeah, we're going to need administrative help and things like that. But I don't want to call you now to give of your time and prayers and energy to maintain an institution. I want to ask of you. I want to ask of me, I want to ask of all of us to build a life-sustaining and life-giving community where we lay down our lives for the sake of the good news of Jesus Christ through whom all men are saved. I want us to build something beautiful because while we're becoming something beautiful, we're also the same church we've always been. We confess the same doctrine we've always confessed. We stand upon the same word of God that we've always stood upon. I affirm the same book of discipline that I have always affirmed. Nothing has changed in our church. Nothing. We're the same people we've always been. But I don't want to call us to build the institution that is the 501c3 of St. Matthew's. I want us to lay down our life for the sake of the gospel and lay down our lives for
for the sake of each other, for our families, and for our communities, and for the world. Because as I said earlier, where Christ is lifted up, all men are drawn to him, friends. Together, through his grace, and for his purpose, and for his glory, we're going to build something beautiful. But we need you. We need you to plug in and serve in ministries. We need you to join the church if you are ready to join the church. We need you to give and serve in these things, not for the institution, but for the community and for the kingdom. We can give voice to our lament, yes, friends, but we also give voice to our hope because we serve a risen Savior who is in the world today because morning by morning new mercies I see. God is good all the time, y'all. And all the time, God is good. May he be glorified in our midst today. Let's pray.